0: Hello everyone, welcome to the Ladies of Kamikaze podcast, where in each episode we tackle different aspects of popular culture, including gaming, comics, movies, and more. We talk about what works, what doesn't, and our vision of a more inclusive space for everyone. In this episode, we're talking about portrayals of female friendships in fictional works, and how true to life they may or may not be. On with the podcast! This is Fuebe. This is Tracy. This is Erin. Elise.
1: So, ladies, um, thanks for joining us again for another podcast. Uh, This topic, as mentioned earlier, is we're talking about female friendships in pop culture and the arts. So I know that um, we had sort of taken some time to look at the various tropes that we see uh, with female friendships. I was sort of curious, thought maybe we'd sort of start with the more negative tropes that we've seen. Um, Does anybody want to sort of kick us off and use some examples?
2: Well, I don't know if if it's negative tropes or not, but I think as I've been sort of thinking about this and preparing for this conversation, the one thing I did notice is how tropey in general female friendships are, and there's like... Not a ton of variety either in how you see female friendships portrayed in in pop culture. I don't know if I necessarily would say it's positive or negative. I think it depends on kind of like your thing and how you want to structure your own life and friendships. But I think the thing that struck me was that it just seems like there's, I don't know, four or five prescriptions of how you actually get to see these things play out. And a lot of times none of them really feel very what my life is like for example um I think one of the tropes you see is we were sort of laughing about this earlier is like so this podcast with uh you know five women in the room uh at any point in this podcast is probably not going to break out into like an impromptu dance party (laughs) or like wait what (laughs) <laughs> I, mean, I, get, I mean, maybe, it, you, yeah. I mean, no, impromptu, maybe yes, it could, but it just doesn't seem very <laughs> likely. And I feel like that is sort of a quintessential part of any of these type, you know, any movie where you're, where the primary structure of the story is about Women being friends, and women being friends means impromptu dance parties break out. Meanwhile,
1: I just wanted, you know, you can't see this, but I've taken my special magical traveling pants, of which I was yeah. up all the time.
3: sharing oh, with
1: right? everyone, and shoving that and my spare tutu back into my bag. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Yeah, a dance party, a sing-along, some sort of clearly defined bonding moment, and I think that's part of the issue there, right, is you're trying to shove a full real-life experience into two hours if you're talking about a movie, so there are shortcuts, that's what tropes are, right, Mm -hmm. they're shorthand for something, and so I think that a lot of times those dance parties are like, and this is when we all gelled as a group,
0: Mm -hmm. that's the
3: shorthand that's being used, but Mm -hmm. it's true that it's not going to happen i think the other big one that i see a lot of is the um and i think uh the thing that i think is maybe a little bit of a negative trope about women women's friendships they're often centered around talking about men oh. mm-hmm. <laughs> yep right so you have a bunch of women but they're gathering to drink cosmos and talk about their troubles with the boys so that's not really, one, how my life works. I don't... <laughs> like a sex in the city kind of... That's the classic example, for mm-hmm. sure. But I think it, it translates into
2: other media as well. Well, it will just generally be gossipy. Women have other things to talk about besides other people. Mm. And I feel like that's always the, you know, the conversations, mm-hmm. you know, are either around, you know, men or like, oh, here's the dirt I just heard. We're going mm-hmm. to dish. We're going to seems to be the other thing. I can guarantee you I've never said I'm going to dish. (laughs) Well, and I want to go
1: back to that idea that you were just talking about when you're talking about women who sit around and talk about other people. So like when I was, I I do admit to baiting you guys a little bit. One of the things that I wanted to make sure that we were talking about was this idea of women being in competition with each Mm -hmm. other. Mm -hmm. Right. So, um, I'll let one of you guys sort of take it from there, sort of explaining like what I mean by that and what that trope is. And yeah, it's the scarcity trope, right? And it, mm-hmm. it's it's whatever it is. It's
4: in competition for the attentions of men, assuming that women want these men. Mm-hmm. Um, there's competition for work. There's competition for literal space. Um, and a lot of this ties into. Not just the the scarcity idea, but it also says a lot about the lack of relationship within the cohort of women. Like it's all about what they're doing outside of themselves. Mm -hmm. Um, And which is really different from actually living a life where your your cohort is all of the various. You know, yes, competition can be in there. But there's also all the safety pieces and all of, you know, and I guess there's a nuance to that that's probably harder to get to in pop culture or in maybe in film. You can certainly get to it in books Mm. Um, and certainly in some other forms. But yeah, there's something about the sort of the beat system of plotting that lends itself to the tropes, lends itself to these pieces like the, the competitiveness or the you know, and when you were talking about sitting around gossiping, there's actually, there's another piece about power in there, yeah. right? I mean, I am not a sociologist, but I have heard people describe gossip as a power form on both positive and on the negative, right? And it's a power space that women often are associated with because the physical power space is taken up, so-called, by men or people outside of the, the whatever paradigm you're looking at. Yeah,
2: well, not, I mean, in life, I mean, in work and whatever, knowledge is power, right? Mm -hmm. And so, and gossip is a form of of knowledge, right? Mm -hmm. If you know more about the people around you, oftentimes that that is a way to have power over them, particularly if you know things that no one else knows that are particularly salacious, Mm -hmm. right? Gossip is never like, oh my God, did you hear that so-and-so, like, did a really great presentation the other day and they just got such good feedback and they were so happy. Like, that's not gossip. Nobody ever... That's not how gossip works.
3: No,
2: it's true. The power
3: is also in the, you know, something that they don't want you to know. Right. Yes. And you can spread it or not as you see fit.
1: You can destroy them if you wanted to with the with the knowledge that you have. You're controlling the frame.
3: Right? Mm.
1: It's, it's You get to decide how the story is going to be told.
2: Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. Right, like those this sort of reminds me of movies like um, Heathers mm. or Mean Girls.
2: Yeah. yeah, I was just looking at my notes <laughs> on those on those movies. Well and and I think that is another trope of like the click, right? Mm-hmm. I think now I don't know if click kinda has a more negative connotation these days, but it's the same thing as having, quote, your squad, right? It's your it's your group that there's always and there's always one girl woman whatever in these groups that's kind of the control and the other ones are the backup dancers or like the handmaidens and is that really friendship even but those things can can kind of be held up as oh well here here's a group of women so they're Mm -hmm. friends
4: and also i was thinking about this too because i was thinking like okay this beyonce
2: right i was thinking i was thinking Mm -hmm. about
4: power right power and women and like, who's in power positions right now? And certainly in pop culture. And then and there's Beyonce, and there's the hierarchy, right? Like, she's in the front with the blonde hair. I don't know what blonde. And <laughs> then in the back are all the women in the Afro puffs, right? And they're like black campuses. Oh, yeah. Right? And there's, I was
3: like, that's not friendship, <laughs> right? That's like, she's controlling this battalion of masters. Yes, dancers, yeah. Which well, she right? literally tells them to get in formation, yes. right? Which is a military right. term. But then I was thinking, like, okay, so what's another, where else can I go in music? And then I was
4: thinking about, um, I was thinking about rap, right? And so I actually spent half the day listening to, like, Northern State, which is this, like, white girl rapper group from, like, Long Island. They sound like chipmunks. <laughs> <laughs> they rap really fast and really high. You know, but they are, they're friends. You could feel the friendness of mm-hmm. them. And then that, that started taking me down a road. And I was like, okay, so who else is in? I was like, oh, there's TLC, right? Yeah. Like, there's oh, a sense yeah. of friendness mm. in that group. And when one was lost, it was like people thought about that. That was fun. So like there is this whole there are these other things that are happening around the edges of the big like, you know, sex in the city banner of like what women are doing. But also going back into rap, which I don't listen to a ton of, so people are gonna hear this and be like, What you talking about? There is also this fight that happens in rap, right? Between and it's men do it, but there's a space where men are creating the fight for female rappers. Right? So, oh, like, there yeah, can yeah. only be one. It's a very like yes, cut off yep. the head thing happening in Wrath. But it did not happen in TLC, but there are B ish.
3: I don't know. So, there's there's a lot of things happening in there. Right. But there's the battle or, or the, okay, we're one upping each other and the insults. So, I'm going to talk about you. You talk about me. We go back and forth. Nicki Minaj and Cardi B yes. I think, were the recent example. Which apparently this has all been manufactured for them to fight. That does not surprise
0: me <laughs>
2: one bit. And and interestingly enough, and like I really don't know why I know even about this. I'm as I sit here, I'm trying to like think like where did I pick this up? It might have been at the lunch table at work. That apparently like Taylor Swift and Katy Perry used to also have a rivalry but like just recently have buried the hatchet and that's been like a big that's been like a huge thing and that now these you know like they've the gone from being yeah right they've gone from being competitors uh. to now supporting each other and like you know is this w- where what what it should be like and all this, I, I don't i really i'm like where did i even pick this up i don't know but that's sort of a thing in pop music right now but
3: if you have a manufactured rivalry it makes sense that you also have a manufactured reconciliation yeah and now it's a team up and that gets back to i think a lot of what can be jarring about some of these depictions of female friendships is who's writing it you know who's packaging this for you and what messages are they trying to send you right so who's creating these narratives and a lot of times yes sometimes it is other women but a lot of times it's not Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know Men are controlling the narrative and saying, okay, it's, yeah, this is, I mean, it's, you know, it's, uh, it's pro wrestling, right? Whose turn is it to be the
0: heel? Mm -hmm. Whose turn is it Mm -hmm. to be the face? Mm -hmm. And then we'll switch. And the thing is, is it sells. Drama sells. So if drama sells, then what are you going to get? More drama. I have a niece who's in middle school and that's all she sees. All she sees in pop culture Mm -hmm. that is geared towards her is like these friendship these frenemy friendships, mm. the drama filled mean girl click friendships. And that's what she's seeing in pop culture. And that's also what she's seeing in the middle school cafeteria. So mm. she has more friends that are boys because mm. she feels more comfortable doing that. And I think it's interesting listening to her talk about it and mm. thinking back to when we were in high school, middle school, like I made friends with guys.
1: I sure did not. But I mean, you do bring up that interesting point, right? You know, tropes are shortcuts, but they're shortcuts for things that can often be very real.
4: Yeah.
1: Right. So this is absolutely a real thing. And, you know, Mm -hmm. there's always this question about sort of where is it coming from?
3: Is it that life is feeding art? Is art Mm -hmm. feeding life? I mean I think it's cyclical right I mean yeah. right so the, the movie Mean Girls is based on a book that was non-fiction called Queen Bees and Wannabes oh. and yeah. so it was looking at yeah. those interpersonal relationships between middle school girls and I think I think it's a little bit of both I think if you keep shoving down these narratives that there's not enough space like for what I said there's some story being told that it's very Highlander, and there can be only one, <laughs> <laughs> right? And so that's the, the story you told. And so how, where is your place going to be in this hierarchy? Um, and so I think that is a societal expectation. And then add to it, particularly for preteen girls, the very real hormonal piece, mm-hmm. right, whether they identify as, or, as girls or not all mm-hmm. teens of all stripes are dealing with a stew of mm-hmm. uh, weird hormones. And, and I think that exacerbates it because everything feels real, does feel really dramatic. Mm-hmm. I don't know if anybody remembers being a preteen, <laughs> oh, but it yeah. all felt so important. I think mean, you look back as a, you know, even in
0: college and you're like, what the hell? Yeah. <laughs> and if this is what you see, then this is what you're going to write about because this is what you know. So mm-hmm. those, those men that are, trying to get the teenage girl experience is only seeing this image in school that is driven by this is what is expected of Mm -hmm. the teenage friendship. Mm -hmm. So it continues that narrative that you're right. It is a circle, vicious, vicious circle.
2: And it's, but it is not even just men too. I mean, it's it, the squad mentality, which is kind of out there now as something good, right? Like you have your squad, like you have squad goals and you, you know, but that still is, it's the same thing as a click, And with that comes an exclusivity, mm-hmm. right? And so if you're not in the squad, then where are you? Well, like, mean, what are you? And you can't have one unless somebody's not part of it. Right. Your squad
3: is not the whole world. Right. (laughs) That'd be be tiresome. (laughs) Making plans is hard. A lot of personalities. Yeah. I'm not enough to make schedules with five other people. Come on. (laughs) No. As we're talking about
1: these these narratives and you know sort of who tells these stories, are there any examples of stories where we see these tropes that have sort of resonated for you guys, like through um, maybe that you read when you were younger, maybe that you've run across now, um, good examples, bad examples, like things that you think people should sort of check out on their own?
3: I just thought of a really weird one from childhood, but actually I think this is surprisingly put together for all of its flaws. I'm gonna say the babysitters club. I have
0: that on my list. <laughs> also, oh, I'll, yeah. let, I'll let you talk
3: about it further, but I was just thinking about in terms of a positive mm. bunch of girls getting together and having a friendship. Yes, sometimes there are dramas, but for the most part they get along and they have a little business together and <laughs> You know, the folk chain. I don't know if you want to see more about it, amazing I mean, Tracy.
0: the wonderful thing about the Babysitter's Club is it still exists today. It mm-hmm. just exists in graphic novel form, which I haven't gotten a chance to check out, but I totally want to, because I own every single Babysitter's Club book as a, as a kid. But, um, yeah, they, they're, well, they started out as five friends, forming this business together to try and make a little bit of extra money just so that they have money to spend. They're always there for each other, and I think that that's what's beautiful, like, they sure, they fight, but their fights seem real. They don't seem like the forced drama, like a lot of things we see. And so I think that the one... It's just so good. <laughs> I, miss, I miss, like, it would be weird to be sitting on the train reading a babysitter's club, like, the actual book now, like, that I don't I'm, know, you know, grown up. But, but I would love to, like, break those out again. And I think that's the one sad thing about not having a girl, is I can't really, like, mm. and be like, here, here's this thing I love. I mean, someday I might, just because... I can, but I was say boys could yeah. be a
3: babysitters club.
0: Readings, reading. They have a they have a boys babysitters club series oh. of books.
3: But I'm saying they could just read the regular books. Yeah. True, you don't read them with your genitals. It'll be <laughs> a interesting. interesting picture. No, I'm
4: gonna take that
3: like, from this podcast <laughs> I the world with that. <laughs> It's, ah. it's actually an adaptation of a Neil Gaiman quote. <laughs> <My> <laughs> oh, t- right, right, sure, sure, right. Sure. But it was about toys. Is it a boy toy or a girl toy? No, no, yeah, no. Unless you use it with your genitals, because <laughs> there are, then it's an everybody toy. It's an everybody book. Yeah. Yeah. I did not read them as a kid. I saw them because I
4: worked in the library, but I and I was aware of them, and I was aware of what you described, this whole world, like little mini world about business, about girlhood, about sort of this camaraderie, camaraderie, how you say that word. But they were outside of my what I would normally read. And going into books, one thing that I was like I was looking for that. I was like, yeah. what dynamic can I think of that would be similar to that? And I was coming up with pretty much nothing. Um except I was reading a lot of fantasy in like my young you know, adulthood. Yeah. And there is a fair amount of women together in fantasy. Hmm. I couldn't come up with a ton. But one um, collection that I was thinking about is this. Sharon Shin is a fantasy author. She lives somewhere in the West. And she has uh, two different series of books. One's about these angels, sort of. Um, And then the other is a, you know, like there's kings and queens and that kind of thing going on. Um, And there are two women who have... Different gender expressions of being female, which is why it really stood out to me. Mm. Like they're not female in the same way, and it's not. It does not. This is not woke <laughs> work, <laughs> um, <laughs> but there is something lovely about this sort of the quote-unquote feminine, making air quotes, um, very you know uh, sensory-oriented one up against the behaviors and the stylings of this more like slightly more masculine but more like a serious person who has a lot of pain so they have very different things mm-hmm. but they're very close
0: mm-hmm.
4: and over the course of five books they maintain the same level of friendship right oh, there's no ups and downs I
0: love that so much
3: so there is i know that was out there um my the other example i was thinking about from my childhood is um Anne and diana from Anne of Green Gables Mm. and similarly Mm -hmm. their relationship stays right it doesn't really Mm -hmm. ebb and flow I mean again sometimes maybe some arguments and things but at the end of the day they're always there for the for each other and but again it's not a story just about their friendship it's a story about their lives Mm -hmm. and how they intertwine
0: and again one of the great things about what we're talking about is that these examples that we just gave they're friends, but they're completely different people. Mm-hmm. It's like, like completely opposites, you know. Especially Anne and Diana, and and that's that's what's needed. It's good to see people who are so different mm-hmm. able to maintain that friendship, able to overcome any arguments or anything like that.
4: Right, and it's a difference. It's a difference that maintains the friendship. Yeah. Like I don't I barely remember the show, but I remember living single. Mostly because Queen Latifah was in it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. And there were like, five women or four. I don't know. There was a number of them. I don't remember how many. Um, but I remember the feeling of watching the show more than I remember the show. And the feeling was like, all of these people are so different. And they're living in this space together. And they're, like, trying to figure out their young lives. And there was something really, like, delicious about it that kept me watching it, even though I have zero memory of it. And then, like, <laughs> I know that, or the, I should say, no, uh, theories are... That, that sort of begot friends, which was huh. a much sort of shallower, I think, not necessarily storytelling wise, but just like personality wise. Mm-hmm. Not their jumps weren't as yes. like stark, at least not to me. Um, so yeah, I was like playing with those ideas and I was thinking about this topic and and trying to remember. Like the hardest part was just remembering back to like what did I watch? What do I watch?
1: <laughs> Who am I? Actually. <laughs> <I> should... <laughs> That's a great segue, though. So what do you watch? We were just talking about maybe examples from, like, when we were younger, but are there any sort of, in the current climate that we're in, sort of what tropes are we seeing most often, and are there any sort of more modern and newer examples of these female relationships that we've been talking about?
2: The two that I have been thinking of, and Erin, maybe you want to jump in on one of these two, is the first one is Jessica Jones, where... Um, her friendship with Patsy Walker is so complicated. I think particularly, I mean, I don't want to like give away too many spoilers because I think the third season is still a little bit fresh. But, you know, they sort of grow up as sister-esque, but again, as two very opposite people. And then their adult lives take these weird turns with superpowers and all the sort of complicated stuff that comes with that and how Patsy sort of wants what Jessica has in a way. And Jessica doesn't want what Jessica has. (laughs) And like is having a really hard time understanding why Patsy would want that. And the way that in some ways it tears their friendship apart, but there are these like two or three kind of, if you literally thought of it as like a fabric ripping, ripping apart, there's maybe two or three super strong threads that don't rip, and what does that? But what does that leave a relationship? I mean, uh, at the end of season three, again, I don't want to give too much away, but there's this sort of very complicated breaking of their of their relationship, but you also get the sense it's not totally broken, and so what is still left? And I thought that was I thought that was very interesting. I feel like. That just had a lot of um, nuance and complication, and I think similar to that is is Dead to Me, yes, which also um, is also another Netflix show that focuses on female friendships, and again, so incredibly complicated, <laughs> where these two women clearly develop—I mean—a a, a very Bored almost a love for yeah, codependence. I mean, a love for each other as as friends. But this other stuff that keeps happening.
3: Well, both of your examples are rooted in individual pain. Murder, can <laughs> <what? laughs> <And> blood. Um, <laughs> but right, two individuals' pains kind of intermingling, and I think that's what makes them complex. But it's also what's a little tough about them. The other examples we're giving are all very much based in yeah. happiness and joy, mm-hmm. right? You you know, Anne and Diana eventually have a few sorrows, but overall have a pretty rosy life and are not bound by their pain. And I think both Jen and Judy and Patsy
2: and Jessica, it's very much about that. There's shared trauma. Well, and there's there's anger. And so and how are you managing? How are you managing and maintaining friendships when you've got a lot of anger?
3: Right. And so in a way, I think that to me, there's a weird positivity to it. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. that you can be so angry and actually find someone in the middle of your anger and grief. But I do think it's also a little bit scary and maybe why the Jessica and Patsy relationship has a hard time maintaining itself.
2: Mm -hmm. is
3: because the thing that bonds you together also starts to be the very thing that's tearing you apart Mm -hmm. because you're so self-absorbed. Right, Both of them end up being a little me, me, me in their own ways, I would say. Whereas Jen and Judy, with no spoilers, really end up very bonded together by the end. <laughs> they sure do. <laughs> yeah. So we'll just we'll just leave it at that. Just not to keep on kid stuff, but I can't help myself. I think a modern um, example that I'm really liking is uh, Lumberjanes. Oh, uh, yes. yes. Right? That's a, a group of girls. Um, one, it's a little more modern in that it, they're uh, from different ethnic backgrounds, from different lifestyles, kind of, but more like the living single and that they're really different girls, right? <laughs> they, like, they like very different things and they subvert some expectations, but it's, it's just really nice to see how they all work together and, and solve a problem. And then a more complicated example, just to continue on my thing, is uh, the, the new Shira. Yes. I was thinking mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. so maybe I'll let somebody else talk about that. Anyway. <laughs> but
4: I mean I was torn with She because there is the the big relationship, they might have the big relationship between She-Ra and Katra. Yeah, like, Adora and Katra is really and like and so how they there's something there. And it's I'm very impressive cartoon is able to sort of keep that something there going over the course of seasons now. And there's other relationships around, but that's clearly the prime yeah. relationship. And it's set up in, su- at least to me as a watcher, set up in such a way where you know that you will never be able to achieve this relationship. There is stuff happening. But also, it's very, um, it's interesting to watch that relationship struggle, break, maybe become together, hard to tell it's happening, at the same time. Adora is getting these these other friendships are coming in. So you're seeing other examples of what friendships can look like. And they literally are talking about friendship. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's pretty major. The yeah. show is like, this is what friendship is, you know? And it's, I don't know, it's really... It's a very
3: interesting take on it. Well, the Adora-Catra relationship is plagued by some of the things we were talking about earlier. There is a competitiveness, right? There's a jockeying for position and jealousy and feeling bad about who got and who didn't. Mm -hmm. And I think that's part of it is showing that that's why that's not a healthy relationship. And unfortunately, yeah, it may never gel because one person is trying to move through their Mm -hmm. pain and the other person is... Like, really leaning into it. But then the, the other relationships are there to show you that it doesn't have to be like that. And that's true for Catra as much as Adora because she has Scorpio and loves her forever.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think what's nice about that too is it's Scorpio loves her how she is.
3: Mm-hmm. Right, exactly.
2: Right. And that's, I think, one of the sort of the pitfalls of that kind of BFF trope. Like, you need the Thelma to your Louise. Like, mm-hmm. and what if you don't have that? What if you have instead to keep on the Shira track, like the friendship that she has with not not Glimmer, but like the other princesses. Mm -hmm. Like you have you have your friends, but maybe you don't make, maybe you don't have your like your like lifelong yeah your lifelong BFF yet. And then is there something is there anything wrong with that, right? Like you. (laughs) You know, when when you set up that trope that you have to have your ride or die and somebody doesn't have that, then how does that make you feel? Right, that idea like of having the- Like you failed, like you failed at friends right. or something.
1: Right. Having that best friend since childhood,
3: mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And if
1: you don't have that, where does that leave you? Because making friends as an adult is hard.
3: But also, I mean- some of the people in this room know that I have a lot of feelings about the idea of calling someone your best friend. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, that's um, another thing. Yeah. <laughs> and
3: so I'll just confess to the world on this podcast that I hate it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I have a lot of very close friends. Some of them I've had since childhood. But the idea of ranking mm-hmm. up my friends, yeah, really grosses me out. <laughs> um, I just don't love the idea that one person is your is your everything, partly because, right, that's not, that's not fair to them. Mm-hmm. How can somebody be everything for you?
0: Mm-hmm.
3: You know, and I think it's really important to have complex relationships. I think it's fine, you know, and people say it, and I, I, I don't mean to disparage those who use that term. <laughs> like that's I don't know that people put this much thought into it as I'm putting into it, but for me it's just like this idea that one person is above all others in some way. This doesn't really work for me. There are friends who are, I'm more close to and friends that I'm less close to. Some of them, you know, some of it's proximity too, right? There are people you just get to see more often mm-hmm. and so you're closer because you talk to them all the time. Yeah, that sort of locks
4: in place. It doesn't let, like for many of the examples we described, people are moving in their friendship. Mm-hmm. Things are closer, yes. things are for their part. And the best friend idea locks you into uh-huh. a certain paradigm. And... Yes, people are using that term, not necessarily thinking about it with this level of analysis or depth, but that said, I've, I've always been resistant to it, because I didn't, for exactly what you were saying, like, I've never had that particular relationship, mm-hmm. right? And then, for me, there's this, there's another thing going on, because it's like, okay, I am black, there is the black girlfriend, girlfriend, mm-hmm. that word, right? And I was like, I've never had this thing, like how do I get it? Do I just order away? And it makes me think so much about the young person you described and these dynamics mm-hmm. and how, even though this is pop culture, as always, it is real and it yeah. really is shaping how people get to move through. So I have had to, you know, go through most of my life and be like, I don't, I haven't achieved this thing. I keep <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> missing it. And then one day I was like, oh, it isn't, This isn't real. (laughs) You know, it's real as pop culture. It's real as concept. But it isn't... It's only as real as you are living your life in that.
3: When you don't have a checklist
4: that you have to...
3: Right? If I have not achieved these things, I am not a fully realized person. But there are
4: many young women, girls, who are sitting in their classrooms right now, thinking to themselves, I don't have a BFF. I don't have a black girlfriend. I'm whatever.
0: I have to sit alone at lunch because... I don't fit into that click that is all sitting together at that
2: table over there. Yeah. That's just you know. Or or even or even that you you have friends but you don't have the magical BFF mm-hmm. and therefore you've still failed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, you know, Valerie and I have a teen in our life that that is often a mm. a lament we hear, right? Like, I don't have any friends. I'm like, well, what about this girl and this girl and this girl and this girl and this Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But the the magical BFF is not there yet the and one so is only. yeah and so it still feels like I don't have any friends mm-hmm. because there's this feeling that to really have like one at friendship you have to have the magical
0: and that's the, the same magical, magical with BFF with boys too like young boys like I hear that from my son mm-hmm. well this person called me stupid well not everyone's gonna like you mm-hmm. <laughs> like and he's like but I want everyone to be my friend I'm like well that's not gonna happen. I have many
1: BFFs, like, no, buddy. They'll, they'll grow up to find out how exhausting that stuff is.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> I mean, like, I know I'm sounding a little bit sarcastic, but being all things to a mm. to all people, there's a reason that people want to have more than one friend.
2: Well, and having that feeling that you've got to, to your points, of locking in to the, the BFF doesn't take in for account growth and change, yes, right? I, I don't have any friends from middle school, I don't think. Well, maybe sort of, but they weren't even in my class and like but like you just if you if you feel like you have to kind of be locked to this one person, where's I am so friends with the person I was best friends with in school. But and we're
3: close friends. She's among my closest friends. But we also have really different lives and <laughs> so like right. like we just, you know, we spend time together. Who here is the same person they were in <laughs> middle school? <laughs> but, like, I don't have kids, she does. So like that conversation is already like I'm not gonna be that for her,
0: right? And I think today throwing in social media and everything, mm-hmm. like everybody is out there to get the most friends, mm-hmm. the most likes, everyone likes my photo. Like it's so hard to grapple with, like, this is not social media is not real life, just as pop culture does
1: not depict what
0: life is at Mm -hmm. what you're
1: actually living. Yeah. All right. So ladies, we're getting actually close to our wrap up time. So I wanted to know if there were any sort of last examples or topics that you wanted to explore, maybe more books or perhaps like the dynamic of women in the arts.
4: Yeah. There was one thing that I was thinking about, about dance in particular, because I was trying to remember, think back to like good relationships that weren't tropey. And I realized that I've seen a lot of, like really interesting stuff in current modern dance. There's a choreographer named Camille, I think her last name was Brown. She did a whole piece on black girlhood. And there are two characters in one of the, the little clips in the piece that they're getting together and they're fighting and they're sort of mimicking each other and they're acting older and younger. And it's all these like really lovely elements of girlhood in this piece. And then it also made me think about just in general, like my experience, I've watched a lot of dance over the years and ballet, and many forms, women are acting as one. You know, there is this hierarchy, if there's a prima you know, prima ballerina, but there's all of these women who are moving in concert. And then in other forms of modern, I've seen, like there's a group called Urbanity that's out of like the South End, and they do these really rich shows where they have same-sex people, two men or two women, in a relationship, in a piece. And it's really dynamic and really interesting, and you can see this sort of, you can see the relationship between the dancers, which is fun, but also you can see yourself and you can see a sort of broader sense of what relationship is, what friendship is, and what, like, finding what your friends
1: is in these dance pieces. We'll have to get some examples of that. Like, if we can uh, find them, we'll make sure that we add them to the, the notes for this podcast. The links yeah. in the video. Yeah.
3: Is there anything else anyone wanted to talk about? Maybe we could do a quick round of the more or less- <gasps> that's a good idea. You know, just, like, snappy. Like, what one thing you'd like to see more of mm. and one thing you'd like to see less
1: of. All right. That's a great idea. And you know what? We'll start in the other direction. Elise, we're going to start with you. One thing you'd like to see more
2: of, one thing you'd like to see less of. One thing I'd like to see more of, since all my other friendship examples were, like, super downers, I'm going to say sort of that, like, the Leslie Nope, like, Ann Perkins, who just, like, love on each other so much and are... Just incredibly supportive of each other. So female friendships that show women supporting each other and like trying to raise each other up. Less probably the the, the super generic like competition. I mean, it's just it's old, it's tired, it's boring.
3: For me, more I would like to see more non-romantic intergender mm. intergender relationships. We didn't really get into it here, but um, mm-hmm. there's it would be nice to see more um, folks not have to be considered romantic prospects because they're of different gender expressions and my less was also competitive friendships so i'll leave it at that
0: i want to see more the same as elise i want to see more positive friendships more helping each other rise up and be like the best that they can be you know more of the positivity and i am so done with the clicky like i i am actually my hot take hate mean girls so much <laughs> and i'll watch heathers every now and again but i just can't like i don't like the clicky teen it's so awful. i i would like to see
4: some more like i don't know like guest spots like friends so one thing i was thinking was like uh janet jackson having joni mitchell in in a song mm-hmm, like there mm-hmm. is something that's so delicious about that. That's so great. I would love to see more of that, like more positivity, but more of this sort of unusual combinations. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm also on the less competitive side. I'm I'm actually fairly competitive, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm I games. Yeah, I'm gonna see less of that because I'm tired. There's there's space for more stories.
1: Mm-hmm. Awesome. And even though I'm playing the part of moderator tonight, I would like to see us all break out into more random dance sequences. (laughs) (laughs) And and I think that's going to do it for us um, on this podcast. So thanks for listening. Hi, everyone. Valerie here. And on behalf of all of the Ladies of Kamikaze, we'd like to thank you for listening to our podcast. If you like what you heard and you're interested in checking out more of our content, you can visit us online at ladiesofkamikaze.com. There you can read our blog, sign up for our newsletter, and if you're in the Boston area, learn how you can join us for our various events, including Ladies' Oh, and don't forget to follow us on your favorite social media platform. Thanks again, and hope you join us next time.